Good evening, and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome to Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Taiwana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory sciences by background, best-selling author, owner and chief leadership consultant at Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director of the John Maxwell team, Maxwell Disc Certified Consultant, Send Out Cars with Girl Partner, and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting Radio TV Network. Today is the part two of our very special show. We have another amazing author from the Leadership Tidbits Project. So before we jump into bringing our guests on, I do have a few announcements. I am booking guests for the 2020 season. So if you are interested in being a guest on this podcast, please go out to www.podcast.coachtwilson to submit your interest. We would love to have you on the show and talk about your leadership journey. All of my leadership strengths assessments are on sale at www.trendyelitellc.com. To get ongoing leadership tips and personal development support, I encourage you to join the my leadership tribe, the Trendy Elite Leadership Tribe at www.trendyeliteleadershiptribe.com. Special thanks to my media mentors, Ms. Ashley Little and Ms. Kimberly McLemore of Talk Radio and TV Network LLP. So now let's go ahead and jump in and bring on one of the co-authors from the Leadership Tidbits bestseller, Dr. Melissa Brunson. Dr. Melissa, how are you doing this evening? I'm actually doing really fantastic. How about you? I am doing well. I am so excited to have you on the show this evening. I'm excited to talk about leadership and your chapter in the book. You had an awesome chapter that I know the readers will definitely be inspired by. So let's jump right into it and talk a little bit about your chapter. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? All right. Um, So hello, listeners. I'm glad to talk about myself a little bit, which is um, something I rarely do. So this is a great opportunity to kind of share some of my insight and and my excitement a little bit about what we're doing um, in leadership around this book, as well as um, a little bit about my background. Um, So I am originally from Jersey City, New Jersey where I was born and bred um, and went to college also in New Jersey. I went to Montclair State. Um, I actually majored in sociology. Um, I would say in the late 90s, I um, eventually relocated to Maryland and worked in my field for a short time and then realized that, you know, one of the cornerstones um, to um, successful lives for any child um, and their futures would be in education. So I made a shift over Um, to education, and I started out um, teaching special education in one of the urban cities in in the state of Maryland um, and enjoyed that for a while, and eventually I went from teaching um, in that particular city to um, a larger, um, actually the largest um, urban county, which is Montgomery County um, in Maryland, Um, so I started teaching there, and then eventually I um, between teaching in both places, actually, I actually took some coursework and got a master's in educational leadership through the College of Notre Dame and um, really enjoyed that and um, thought of being a school-based administrator at the time. So once I made the shift over to Montgomery County, I was pretty ready. I just had to spend a couple of years there to get to learn the system, teach, and sort of prove myself um, worthy of that next level and that next step. And so um, 
I actually uh, went from being a, a teacher to being a an assistant principal at one of the elementary schools. And um, shortly thereafter, like after about two, two and a half years, I eventually became the principal of one of the schools um, in Montgomery County. And I did that for almost 12 years. Um, and then for the last two, well, last year and this year, I, um, I made another transition, and that is to work in our central office in the Office of Special Education. So now I'm serving as a special education supervisor of nearly 70 schools in my county. Wow. So that wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is a huge role, and it sounds mm -hmm. very exciting. It is. So, it is very exciting. <laughs> so, Dr. Melissa, can you tell us a little bit about, since you have been in the school system for some time and, uh, you know, served in, in both the school and, and now as an administrator, I'm sure there are some, some challenges that you all face just because, you know, times are changing. So can you talk about a little bit of, about the challenges from a, uh, the aspect of how uh, myself and, and the other listeners as community volunteers uh, could be of support uh, so that we are a little bit more knowledgeable uh, about what what our teachers and administrators need. Okay. Well, this is like, I guess this is about my 22nd, almost 23rd year in education. So I've had the opportunity um, in two decades plus to see how it has transitioned so much. Um, and so I remember like when I first started, there was a big focus on reading, making sure everybody uh, were proficient readers and it started early on. Um, and I know that's a continuous push that we push, um, particularly in our earlier grades, we're always um, wanting to make sure we consolidate, you know, how children are able to read, not just, um, to read the material, um, decode, be able to decode and just be a reader, but we also are working very hard at making sure they're able to comprehend at the early ages. Um, and so that is also a challenge because, you know, not all students um, get the opportunity to be in preschool programs, although in our state they've made it available um, for um, pretty much all students to have that access to pre-K programs so that when they get into kindergarten, and they flow through first and second grade, they are building, they're learning their skills to be strong readers. And so um, that early intervention is always important, but you get a challenge. And so I ask community members to do what they can do to promote those early foundational skills in reading particularly, um, because we all know that if students don't really get that firm grip and understanding, especially in elementary school, you know, as they matriculate um, through the intermediate grades of elementary, through middle school to high school and so forth, that becomes a challenge and certainly a barrier to their success. Um, so we certainly um, need help with that. Um, and then I noticed that, you know, one of the things that we did well was teach our teachers how to teach reading and, and become very strong um, teachers um, of English language arts. Um, but one thing that can get easily neglected um, in our teacher preparation programs is around math. And so we know uh, and we've learned through research that, you know, students have to really um, be able to be creative, complex thinkers and problem solvers. And it does require students to really understand to be able to comprehend, to apply, to reason, and be able to, to engage in math. And so um, that's an area that uh, we, we even profess, we know that we didn't spend a whole lot of time on that. And so right now, a lot of our county districts across the nation, um, we're really focusing a lot of our attention on math and making sure that students have all of those nuggets to be creative problem solvers. I mean, there are problems that we don't, see in our future that we have to get them to be flexible thinkers through math. And so if we do that now and we build those structures early, then we know that they'll be strong and then again, matriculate through secondary school and then eventually to college. And so um, I know that there's been a lot of talk around, um, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, and the arts. And so we're trying to create um, opportunities for students to to get to that level where they're strong enough to take on 
those type of careers, those based careers, science, technology, engineering, math, and of course the arts. And so we know that um, coming together, we have to make sure that math um, is also strong for our students so that they can take on these careers and solve those problems that we don't see for the future. So again, you have to be a strong reader. And again, you have to be uh, a strong writer as well. And also a problem solver and a thinker that we get through math. And combined, we really create um, um, an educational foundation for our students that will lead them to work success and to also support our communities in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy you talked about reading. I, I know recently I was talking to uh, one of my, my cousin who works in the schools, and we were just talking about, you know, how things are a little bit different today and how the, the reading skills are are a little bit lacking uh, even in the, the higher grades. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's important for us, you know, as you said, for us to, to help our kids, especially when they're younger with their, their reading skills and writing skills. Uh, me being in healthcare, I can tell you that, you know, those <laughs> are critical, you know, reading, writing, and math. If you uh, can do those things, you, you might be okay, uh, you know, coming, being in healthcare and a STEM-related uh, career. So listeners out there, reading is important. I know that we have technology, and I know that we have our phones and we have the Internet, but you cannot uh, get away from the the basics, the foundation of being able to read, write, and and do math. Mm -hmm. So, so, Coach T, one other thing I'd like to add to that also mm -hmm. in terms of challenge in the schools that – you know, while we are really um, promoting the academic side, we have to really focus on the whole child. So I have to add one piece to that, if you don't mind, because I think it's important for listeners and community members who are listening in to really understand the social-emotional side. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things that we're really focusing on is really looking at, you know, how children are able to socialize and communicate and also problem solve, not just the technical side, the academic side, but to also be able to problem solve with their friends um, and make friends and long-lasting relationships. And what does that mean? Um, we're trying to build empathy in children. Uh, we're trying to show them that when we do make mistakes in our socializing, that there are opportunities for us to restore um, those relationships. And so uh, one of the biggest pushes in education is around restorative practices. I don't know if the listeners are familiar with it, but, um, you know, sometimes, you know, student interactions aren't always um, the most welcomed interactions um, between students. And so sometimes, like, an incident may occur where, you know, sometimes, you know, it's as simple as a fight. And maybe we need to, you know, find out what that root cause is and not only find that piece out, but the person that was the victim in all of this, you know, how do we restore them and make them feel like they're safe in school? So, you know, there's a big push around that social emotional. Obviously at school, we have to make sure that they're safe and we have to give kids the tools and the strategies and even the coping strategies um, to kind of deal with some of the things that might impact them. Um, We have kids that, you know, again, if we don't really build those foundations, the work gets harder and tougher. And so, you know, some of the um, students um, have low tolerance and they are high, frust- highly frustrated, whether it's at school or, you know, maybe some per- something's happening in their personal lives that they're frustrated with. And so we have to um, look at the whole child and really address that side of kids, again, because they are members of society. And we know that um, together, um, those two pieces, um, academic and the social emotional side, uh, working in tandem will obviously make them um, good citizens in our community. Absolutely, absolutely. We definitely need to be looking at the, our kids holistically, looking at all of that. So I'm happy that you made sure that uh, you made the listeners, you know, understand that because that is critical uh, for their productivity uh, going forward. Dr. Melissa, leaders come from all walks of life with vastly different backgrounds, strengths, qualities, and experience. 
What strengths and qualities do you feel have been important for you to thrive as a leader in the world of education, especially when you're working with your colleagues and our students? That's a very good question. Um, and so the first thing that comes to mind is um, it's actually a disposition. You have to have a disposition that allows yourself to be open and to be able to be a very good listener. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of key messages or situations that you have to listen to. And so you have to be able to kind of understand where the perspectives are all coming from. Um, so that's, to me, like one of the most important pieces. Um, and then followed by that would be effective communication skills. Um, and they kind of go hand in hand. Um, so you have to be able to, you know, allow people that are around you, especially, you know, in a leadership role, you're affecting so many lives even to the point where, you know, some people think, oh, you know, they're just affecting the kids' lives, but they're affecting the kids' lives. They're also affecting staff lives. They're also affecting community lives um, because, again, a lot of our interactions are with those three factions and also, you know, um, our external partners that might support us in the school. So the communication side, listening and be able to communicate back what you've heard or to help um, problem-solve um, uh, or be a part of the problem-solving process. But one of the things that I, um, and, and this kind of relates a little bit to my book chapter, which was um, titled Leadership That Brings All on Board, is really looking at um, getting more involved, getting your stakeholders more involved in some of the decisions and the visions of your company or organization. And for me, it was more of a principal thing um, that I was able to sort of relate to. So mm -hmm. getting your stakeholders who are going to be responsible for applying a lot of practice, um, getting their buy-in by making them a part of those decisions is highly important um, because I do feel like as a leader, you know, we know, and I'm sure we've all had the experience, but I can tell you I did, where from, from a young age on up, I've had, you know, multiple experiences being among a leader where it was sort of top down, what I said, go, you know, this is policy and procedure. I didn't have mm -hmm. a voice. And that was very challenging and because, I mean, here I am holding in a whole lot of information and insight that I would love to share my ideas. And when people treat you that way, you know, it can be very challenging. You may not feel wanted. You don't feel very valued. And so the goal for a leader, and I think that's um, something that I've um, honed over time, is to really be collaborative and inclusive and include those stakeholders who are going to be responsible. So I'm, and I'm, I imagine, again, um, if we have listeners who are community members, educators, or have worked with the schools, I'm sure they would and have loved if they've had the experience of being connected with the school to really understand, you know, exactly what is entailed in the school, what we need from them to make improvements in our school community. Um, so I, I would say... Um, you know, generally speaking, like I said, interpersonal communication, effective problem solvers, and be able to um, bring in all stakeholders, um, especially when there are big decisions that need to be made that affects all of them, and they have to apply it. Um, you certainly want to, um, I feel like those traits are definitely necessary for leadership. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I'm happy you started talking about your chapter. I really, really, really <laughs> loved your chapter. I did. I really loved your chapter, Leadership That Brings All On Board, because it relates to every industry. It doesn't matter if you're in education, if you're in healthcare, if you're in manufacturing, because there are so many times that decisions are made and then the team that's doing the work has no clue about why they're doing what they're doing. And so mm -hmm. it's important, as you said, that, you know, make the environment inclusive. Make sure that your team is aware uh, of those big decisions, those critical decisions that affect uh, them and, and what they do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, as we had embarked on the journey of leadership tidbits, the whole our whole goal with this is to uh, have practical tips that our emerging leaders and, and people can use in both their personal and professional lives. We want you to be able to readily deploy 
the tips that are uh, suggested in the book, from the leader's experience, you know, from them sharing their stories. We wanted to give you something that you could use today, you know. And so what did you hope the readers get from reading your chapter? Can you talk a little bit more about kind of how did you uh, get to where you were in your chapter and what do you hope readers will, will take from it? So interesting enough, I I remember very specifically when I was sort of designing the chapter, like sort of putting out the layout, and I was really focused on inclusive leadership. And even though this chapter does um, definitely talk about it, it sort of evolved in more of what are some of those practical opportunities which you can actually have more inclusive leadership. So, you know, one of the things that I, I, I cited in the book was um, around the way Disney does their onboarding process. And what I love about it is, you know, you want people in your industry to really understand what your core values of your organization are. Um, Some things that, you know, definitely won't leave the organization. These are things that we believe in, whether it's, you know, education, respect, you know, whatever those core values are. And so as you're going through an onboarding process, it allows the employee to really think deeply, you know, is this an organization I want to be a part of? I mean, I'm excited or am I not really sure? You know, um, one of the things that comes up a lot of times when I'm um, working, um, let's say I'm um, hiring like a teacher from my school, you know, I always want to know what are they like to give, I want to know from them what do they consider high expectations, and I'm also relaying to them what is high expectations for us as a school. You know, the whole idea around equity, making sure everyone um, gets what they need, um, and so that was one piece of it. So I'm always listening very carefully that their core values sort of connect to the core values to our organization. But I do like the idea of onboarding because it lets them know up front what you're getting yourself into, aside from um, having applied for the position. But now I'm telling you very specifically what our core values are, and you can make a decision whether you want to stay or you want to go or you want to shift gears or do something different. But um, it um, it allows the employee to see if, and are my personal core values aligned with this organization? And so I did throw that in the chapter because I thought that that was a very good strategy. Um, I actually facilitated a lot of that in my county. And so uh, once you get past that piece of it, you know, you want to, now that they have um, essentially brought into the organization because it, it matches their core values, um, one of the, um, you want to go to the next level by, you know, involving them in some of the shared leadership opportunities that you have in your school, um, whether it's serving on the leadership team. And again, this is school, but again, if you have a core group that you or executive leadership that you have in your organization, you can certainly connect that as well to what I'm saying at the school level. Um, but the, some of the pr- question prompts that I brought up was um, I related to how your core values align with um, the values of the organization. And so I did want my readers to walk away with, as they are thinking about um, their core values, maybe they are connecting it with the organization's values or vice versa. If you're the owner, leader, CEO, CEO of an organization, you have items that are completely spelled out that the employees can see, understand, and be able to connect with those values. So I thought that that was one of the things that I really wanted them to walk away with and to also understand that, you know, you have to walk in with a plan and you got to have a process in place. Um, and it's great to have that, but you have to have the involvement of stakeholders. So the additional questioning prompt is, you know, how do your employees contribute um, to the de- decision-making in your organization. So I wanted leaders to be thinking about, you know, are you allowing them the opportunity to feel connected to the organization? Um, are you getting enough buy-in? Because it's one thing to have compliance because people, you know, listen, let's say the bottom line is we have bills to pay. <laughs> so <laughs> we might be compliant enough to get a check, right? Um, but right. You know, you want someone who's fully committed because um, essentially, you know, your work kind of becomes a part of your life. It is a part of your life. It's a lot of time <laughs> most spent in a week, right? 
Um, right. Yeah, so you, you definitely want to um, kind of check yourself. Um, and also, you know, you want to make sure that your employees are with you because when they have um, buy-in, you go from commitment, I'm sorry, to compl- from compliance to commitment. And that's commitment and dedication to the organization. And that's what you want to have happen in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can mentorship or, you know, mentoring play a part of this uh, being successful in the environment? Well, you know, one of the things that I learned um, a lot um, over the years is opportunities for you to be reflective and, you know, don't be afraid to share what you know you don't know, um, especially with people who are leaders within your organization or similar to your organization. Uh, or within, you'll be surprised. People are willing to assist and, and support you and help you. Um, one of the things that um, around mentorship and networking, I mean, they kind of somewhat go hand in hand, but it's really nice to have someone who has been in your role or in your position for a while and kind of understand the lay of the land, whether it's directly in the district you work in or in the organization you work in. But even people that are outsiders, that are leaders, can understand some of the aspects of leadership that um, can definitely um, be relatable to what you do. So you certainly want to have that person. You want to keep them close to you and be able to hear what they have to say. Um, sometimes, you know, we can... Um, leaders, we get a lot thrown at us, I mean, a whole lot, and very quickly, and sometimes, you know, we don't even have time to stop and think, um, and sometimes, you know, we don't want to fall into the trap of making assumptions about anything, um, so, you, you know, sometimes if you could just get to your mentor or um, a critical friend um, who understands leadership to share things with, it can give you really great feedback. Um, can t- teach you how to navigate the system that you work for, the, um, the organization that you work for. So, um, And also, they also sometimes promote you. I mean, they may share getting to know you very well. They're able to share, um, you know, hey, you know, I know this is an opportunity. You know, I have a connection with that person. Um, so maybe, you know, if I share, you know, what I know about you, again, that mentorship relationship can drive that. Um, and you'll be surprised that sometimes it opens doors for opportunity. Networking helps um, because some people don't really know where they can find their mentors. So, you know, belonging to organizations that are connected to your work, you know, so, you know, being able to, like, um, you know, like the the National Education Association is very popular, but there are other groups like AERA and other groups in education, but in other industries, and I'm sure, um, Coach T, there's industries, organizations that um, are connected to what you do, and they have conferences. And so you go to those conferences, you start the networking there. Um, again, those are additional opportunities to pull in mentors or to see what other people are doing that will inspire you. Um, and you can learn from them. And so um, absolutely, my whole life is built around mentoring. And sometimes, you know, mentors change. Um, you keep mentors. Some people change. Some people enter into your life. And you just have to be open to it. Um, but don't be afraid to, um, you know, get a mentor and be able to, you know, share what you're dealing with. Because like I said, leadership is very complex. It comes at you very quickly. Sometimes something new happens, actually, all the time. Something new happens <laughs> that you may not have ever experienced. And you're like, okay, you know, I have an idea of how I can approach this, but I need insight from someone in this field who knows what they're doing and can help me. And leaders, good leaders, wanna, they're servant leaders. I mean, good leaders will serve you. They Really good ones they have absolutely no issue, no problem with sharing their leadership experience. And so part of this whole leadership tidbit and part of me even being on this um, this radio show right now is, you know, to kind of share with the listeners, you know, my experiences and to um, hopefully hope that you all will learn from it as well. Yes, yes. It's, it's interesting that you say that because you're right. I mean, who wouldn't want to uh, lessen their learning curve 
from getting that information from mentors. I know I've been impacted by mentors. And if it wasn't for some of my mentors, I wouldn't uh, be where I am today. I mean, I have mentors in my professional life and my personal life and just soaking up all of their wisdom and expertise because in today's workplace, there are multiple generations working. And you're right, leadership is very complex and having to, you know, try to maneuver uh, people uh, can be difficult. So mm-hmm. I definitely try to rely on my mentors. What do you think about this? How should I approach this situation? You know, I'm thinking about this kind of role. You know, what experience do I need? Uh, and so the power of a mentor is priceless. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It, 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 it truly is. And and I know that, you know, throughout the book, you know, in various chapters, uh, our other uh, contributing authors are talking about mentoring and, and mentorship and that power and that value of it is, again, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, that power of mentoring uh, is priceless. So listeners, as you uh, hear from the various leaders who've been on this show, that's always an underlying theme is that, you know, most of them will say they wouldn't have gotten to where they are today without the power and the value and the time uh, that their mentors uh, have have. Uh, placed uh, in their life. Absolutely. So, Dr. Brunson, what you speak out loud is what you give life to. So, I know that, uh, you know, there were positive affirmations and quotes and, and things through, mentioned throughout the book, and you had uh, a great uh, positive affirmation. Uh, do you want to tell listeners a little bit about uh, affirmation as it relates to your chapter and just quotes that you tend to live by that drive your leadership? Mm-hmm. Well, I... I will say, you know, as a a woman who, um, and again, I've had my own personal life lessons, um, having been, you know, a mom who of a son who is now 26, and at one point in my life, I was single, and you would think that after I gave that big opening about my career, like, how in the world could she have ever made through, even at a certain point in her life when she was single with her child? Um, And that was for a couple of years. Um, And, you know, I just want to say that, you know, I was very open. I'm pretty honest and I'm a caring woman, but I'm also strong. And, you know, I mean, there have been moments, obviously, of weakness that built my confidence, um, built my confidence. And so I absolutely um, allowed those opportunities to enter into my life. And I take it like a sport. Um, to overcome those challenges, and I know that has made me stronger over life. But my um, one of the the quotes that come to mind, and again, I'm just taking this off the top of my head, is um, "This too shall pass." Um, like I said, you know, and you just you know kind of back me up on this that you know when you're managing individuals and you are managing um, and you're dealing with all types of leaders in your midst as well as um, people who uh, would work for you and, you know, middle managers and so forth. And, and so, you know, there are always some kind of challenge that will come and you can't even avoid it. It's, but when it comes, it's really great to take it like a sport. And even though it's difficult and, and, and hard and challenging, and sometimes, you know, you feel nervous about certain aspects of it, um, just know that it'll pass. But when it passes, you have learned so much about yourself and those around you. Um, you become a, like a, a, an experienced individual um, when you're dealing with that. Um, I know one thing that, again, in my field, it is forever changing. And so just when you get used to something, it changes. You know, we find out some new thing that will help our students do better educationally and again holistically so even that social emotional piece so just when you got used to you got to switch gears and now you have to learn something new and build skill around that but you also have to be able to communicate it to others who may not understand and again you have to deal with the change process 
So it can be very challenging, almost daunting at times, but um, as long as, um, you know, you keep that quote of mind that this too shall pass, and then you come out better on the other side. You come out as a stronger, more knowledgeable leader. You know, you are applying pedagogical as well as practical skills to the work. Um, people see you as, wow, you know, you you really overcame that. But was it something that difficult in the end? Um, what did you learn from it? So, I mean, I would say those are like my main ones. I have many other quotes. I'm actually a very... Um, I was a quote person, um, and I would share quotes with my staff um, as they were, you know, working along the way. I would um, send them quotes um, around, you know, anything that would support their success professionally, but also personally, because they have to take care of self, um, you know, if they're going to be able to put out um, um, good output at work. So, um, so you know, I guess I can end with that. Um, that piece of it. Yes. And I'm happy you talked about the self piece because we are in a time where we're asked to do so much. We're asked to do a lot. Uh, we're in our careers, be our best in our careers, be great role models, great parents. And it is so easy to get stretched thin. So, you know, what kind of advice or tips uh, would you share with the listeners who may be struggling to find that balance? You know, they they want to have uh, that balance and be a great leader, but they still want to have, you know, that peace. So, you know, what, what tips uh, would you give that maybe, you know, work for you? Well, you know, that's a very good question because, a lot of my mentors have always said, take care of yourself. And I used to always wonder what that means. Like, what does that mean for me versus another individual? So I'm going to tell you what I do to take care of me. You know, one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Um, I'm a Christian and I read my Bible and I read a lot of books that are relating um, to God and Jesus Christ. And that's just me. Um, so my belief in that um, has really helped me center myself and really recognize why I'm truly here to do the work that I do. So that's one of them. Um, I really do surround myself with very good people, and I spend time with them, whether it's my family or my close friends or my sorority um, organization um, that I spend time with. And so to me, they actually, when I think my bucket is empty, they actually help fill it. Uh, with good conversation um, and good things that we do together. Another thing that I do um, absolutely is, um, and I do take a really big annual trip uh, with a group, a group of friends that we get along very well, and we work, and it's a lot of couples mainly, but um, we take really great trips. <laughs> like we save our money, we take a very good trip, and it's something to look forward to. Um, and um, you know, I, you know, I make it a point also, again, to fill my bucket, um, to, you know, stay in touch with my, my child, um, who's 26, he's older now, and, you know, they kind of get into their own world, but, you know, it absolutely fills my bucket to, um, talk to him, and of course, talk to my niece, but notice that all these things are things in my personal life, um, that really help me, um, and when I have pockets of time, you know, um, I read books uh, for pleasure, but I also read professional books. Um, and I, I will listen to a couple of podcasts. Um, and I will, you know, for me personally, you know, it kind of helps me feel very um, focused and knowledgeable and feel like I'm a game changer in my field. Um, so that makes me feel good. And one last thing that people I would don't necessarily always agree with me on this one, but I'll just tell you, like, I mean, technically I work Monday through Friday. I'm actually 24-7, if you must ask. Like, technically, if mm -hmm. anybody needs me, they can reach me. But mm -hmm. I make it a point. I make it a point to, um, during the work week especially, I will work and try not to bring too much work on the weekend um, because that's my time. Um, mm -hmm. and I do, you know, I try to, you know, when I'm at church, I try to stay centered or in certain activities, I try to stay centered. And so I put that phone on silent 
And then, you know, when it's time, the opportune time, then I open it back up. And, and I will um, take calls and send emails. But like I said, not everybody 100% agrees with that. But that's just what I do because people kind of manage things so differently. But you have to do what works for you, what makes you feel good. Um, I do exercise at a minimum of three times a week. That helps me. Um, and that includes some yoga. And so that actually helps center me and make me feel good. Um, because, again, when you're out in that field, and you're, you know, you're putting on, um, you know, you're, you're really working that leadership role. Well, you have to, you have to feel good. You have to feel strong. You have to feel capable. And so, um, those are the things that help me in my personal life, well, my life all, all the way around, um, to help do the work, um, in my life. Yes. I, I love those. I love those. You are mm-hmm. absolutely right. You have to do what works for you so that you can be your best for your students, you know, for other leaders who are counting on you. Um, I can remember being in a workshop and it was a, a dream manager workshop and the young lady presenting the class, she talked about, you know, how we are charged with showing up each and every day. So, you know, you're charged with, you know, those who listen to R&B and know Beyonce, she's charged Mm -hmm. with showing up every time she gets on that Mm -hmm. stage. When we buy those Mm -hmm. tickets for $100, $200, or however much you pay for $500 to $1,000, some people, you are not wanting her to have a bad day on the day that you have your tickets, right? And so, you know, because we all are very important roles that impact the lives of others, we have to show up each and every time we come to play ball. We we log into the time clock. We show up at the school. So it's important for us to have that time for ourselves where we are rejuvenating and filling our cup meditating if that's what you do, believing in a higher power, whoever that might be for you, exercising, taking those vacations, going on trips, you know, having that time to unwind with family and friends. And so there's no right or wrong way or no, you know, everybody's balancing act is different. But what's important is that you do take that time to try to maintain that sense of self away from uh, that sense of work. So those are awesome tips that, that you gave. So with leadership tips for those who might have been under a rock over the past week or so, last week we achieved bestseller status. So very excited about that. Uh, very excited about this project. Couldn't have done that without the amazing uh, contributors that was on this project. We actually achieved, uh, like I said, bestseller status, uh, number four, new release in business leadership, number three, uh, new release in business management. And, and we are in categories with other thought leaders such as John Maxwell and Peter Drucker and, and some of the other influential uh, leaders. So very excited and very happy. Uh, and, and proud that that our work, uh, you know, people are interested in it. You know, we have great reviews out there because it's something that people can use today. And that's the whole premise of this project. We are taking uh, applications for Leadership Tidbits 2. So if you read the book and you're like, I am very interested in being a part of this journey or I want to be a part of the journey, we will kick off uh, early 2020. But the application uh, is out there at www.leadershiptidbits.com. You can go on there and apply. Uh, but we will be uh, getting ready to, to kick off for Leadership Tidbits 2. Uh, you will see Leadership Tidbits 1, the various contributing authors in the various cities that they are located will have events uh, for you to take part in, whether it be book signing events or meet and greet events. So stay tuned for those. Uh, and so as we get ready to come to a close, Dr. Melissa, what uh, one or two tidbits would you like to leave the listeners with that they could that they could use as they continue throughout this week? Oh, wow. Um, 
we are in the holiday season. Um, and so you definitely want to um, take very good care of yourself while you're thinking of others. Try not to overshop. <laughs> you want to take care of those people who make a difference in your life around this time. And um, just enjoy yourself. If you have some holiday um, festivities that you're going to, you know, kind of relax, release, take it all in, enjoy the time that you're with them. Um, 2020 will be here before you know it. And um, so many things are changing around us so fast. So just, you know, be open, take it in and enjoy yourself. Great, great advice. Absolutely great. Mm -hmm. So how... That is, it is. Sometimes we get overwhelmed and overconsumed uh, with the holidays, mm-hmm. and we don't take uh, that that advice. And then uh, the new year rolls around, and here we are, feeling exhausted and drained, and the new right. year is just starting. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, right. New year tired. Oh my goodness. So, oh no, I get it. Yeah. And you know what? Another thing that I did, I'm sorry, one more thing about it, another tidbit that I did to think about going into the new year. Um, you know, and, and, and this is the listeners, this is something you can consider doing. I mean, I've reconnected with people I have talked to in a very long time. So that's always kind of fun to do. I mean, don't be afraid to do it. Take a risk and call somebody that maybe you haven't been in contact with in a while. You'll be so surprised that you hear on the other side. Hopefully it's good. Um, but from um, <laughs> when I've done it every year, it's been really like, oh, my God, Melissa, I'm so glad to hear from you. Um, and that fills my bucket as well. That is awesome advice. Uh, and that's what <laughs> leaders do. Leaders reach out. You don't always wait for somebody to reconnect with you. Uh, you go ahead and you take that lead and you reconnect uh, with them. Because at the end of the day, your relationships will sustain you, which is another chapter in the book. You have to get the book mm-hmm. to get the rest <laughs> of these tips. So, Dr. Melissa, how can the listeners stay connected with you and follow you on your leadership journey and get an autographed copy of the book from you? Oh, wow. You know, I guess I need to move a little faster. So, um, so I am on Facebook. I'm Melissa A. Brunson, and um, you certainly can find me there. Um, I haven't given uh, my Twitter account, but I guess I need to get better at getting that out. So if you do log into Facebook and you find me there, um, at some point within the next two weeks, I'll have a Twitter account. And so you can certainly find me there. Um, People have already um, asked for copies of the book. Um, I certainly will be sure to. I am willing to um, get you that book. Or you can simply go to Amazon and type in Leadership Tidbits. We'll show right up. Um, and you can order the book that way. Um, I'm very excited that it has um, the multiple versions, the Kindle as well as the paperback. Um, and so um, it definitely suits two needs. And I have to tell you, you know, one of the things about contributing to a book like this, um, which was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, so we all were contributors, but, you know, when I actually got the book and read other people's leadership tidbits, I actually learned so much from the other leaders that were part of the project. I have to tell you guys, I was like more excited beyond my chapter to read other people's chapters and their tidbits around leadership. So even as a contributing author, I'm a fan of the book myself. Um, So anyway, I would be willing to do that. I'm still exploring how I'm going to go about selling the book, whether I'm going to set up shows, um, because a lot of people like to face the authors. And so I'm working on what that um, opportunity will look like. Um, So just come on Facebook. I'll accept you as a friend and you'll get the information. Awesome. So if you want to uh, stay connected with Dr. Melissa, make sure you go ahead and look her up on Facebook and she will keep you updated as to what events she might be doing or ways that you can connect with her so that uh, she can provide you with a signed copy uh, of our bestseller. 
So, Dr. Melissa, it has definitely been a pleasure having you on the show tonight. I was excited and happy that you participated in the project and contributed. Uh, your chapter was very powerful and awesome, and I know that the readers uh, will be able to relate to it and get some information that they can readily use uh, in both their personal and professional life. So thank you so much for jumping on the show tonight and sharing with the listeners. All right. Thank you. Many blessings to you and continued success on your journey. So thank you again. You're welcome. And thank to you and thank to the listeners as well. Awesome. So thank you, listener audience, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits where we had a special show tonight. We had one of the contributing authors from the bestseller Leadership Tidbits, Dr. Melissa Brunson, where she talked about her chapter, Leadership That Brings All on Board. She gave great tips. Make sure you go and get the book to read her chapter in full detail and, and learn from the other uh, mentors, the other trailblazers that uh, are in the book. So if you like what you heard tonight uh, and want to listen to previous shows, you can subscribe at www.podcast.coachtwilson.com. If you are thinking about starting your own podcast, radio show, or even TV show, I would love to help you. You can send me an email at DI Broadcasting. That's all one word, D-I-B-R-O-A-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G at com. Don't forget to get leadership tidbits. Again, it's in paperback. It's in on the Kindle version. So, it will make a, a good gift during this holiday season. And again, if you are interested in being a part of Volume 2, Leadership Tidbits 2, you can go on and apply, www.leadershiptidbits.com. And please tune in next week to hear from another amazing leader. Until then, have an awesome week. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly.